So here we are in Galatians once again as we pick up our study here. And we're going to focus in on verse 15 of chapter 1 today, but I want to kind of look at the just the, the verses that we read together, just sort of get the background for everything that's happening, and then we'll zero in on that 15th verse. But let me just remind you of the, the bigger context of, of the epistle. So um, as, we, as we look through and as we read between the lines, we see that uh, Paul had gone into the region of Galatia and there was a very warm reception to his ministry and many turned to Christ. And, and there was a beautiful, sweet work that was taking place uh, they were filled with the spirit and miracles were happening among them. And, you know, it was just a wonderful, wonderful thing. You just get that feeling that it was a sweet, sweet work of God that was taking place there. But then something happened uh, after F Paul's departure. And what that was is that false teachers came in and they began to insist that trusting Christ alone for salvation was not really enough. What uh, they said was that people needed to also keep the Mosaic law. But not only that, they also uh, suggested that Paul wasn't really preaching the real gospel, that his gospel wasn't the true gospel. And they also uh, suggested that Paul wasn't even really an apostle. Now, remember, Paul was not part of that original group of men who were with Jesus during his earthly ministry, uh, but his apostleship came later. So these false teachers, they took advantage of these things and uh, they tried to discredit Paul in the eyes of the Galatians. So in verse 11 of chapter one, uh, Paul begins the defense of his apostleship. And, and this is gonna go through the second chapter. And so these first two chapters of Galatians are uh, a historical narrative. They're, they're really quite fascinating because we learn things in these two chapters about uh, things that were happening there in the early church that we don't learn in the book of Acts. Now, the book of Acts is, of course, that uh, that overview of the early days of the church, that historical overview. And we learn a lot of things in the book of Acts, but there are certain things that are not there. And Paul sheds light on that in these uh, two chapters here. So it's, it's pretty fascinating as we look at it. But as he begins the defense of his apostleship, he does that by, first of all, laying out the facts of his former life in Judaism, and then he speaks of his conversion and his calling. And then he also will speak of his relationship with the other apostles. Because remember, they're saying, well, he's not a true apostle. You know, he's not one of those who was originally with Jesus. And Paul's going to now, um, you know, tell them that uh, he is, although he's not part of that original band, uh, he certainly is familiar with the apostles, especially Peter. And in these two chapters, he's going to talk a lot about his relationship with Peter and about, um, you know, some of the things that transpired between him and Peter. So it is all quite fascinating. So let's look at, let's just kind of walk through the verses here and, and look at um, 
what Paul says a little more closely. And then, as I said, we'll come back and we'll really zoom in on verse 15. So he says in verse 11, but I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. For I neither received it from man nor was taught it, but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. So the first thing he does is he, he just pushes back on that idea that his gospel isn't really the true gospel. And he says th- this gospel, he didn't even learn it from men. It was the Lord himself who taught Paul this gospel. Remember, the other apostles had th- a three-year training period with Jesus. But what Paul tells us here is that he also had a three-year training period with Jesus. And that was actually something that took place kind of privately in the Arabian wilderness, no doubt near Mount Sinai. So he is going to touch on that here in a moment. So he says the gospel that he preaches is not from man. He received it from the Lord. But then he talks about his former life. Verse 13, for you have heard of my former conduct in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. And I advanced in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous for the tradition of my fathers. Now, remember, these these men are coming in under the guise of being uh, experts in the faith. And they're coming in as, um, you know, part of their credentials is, you know, we're, we're, we're Jews. And we know that uh, the gospel is incomplete without that addition of the Mosaic system. So right here again, Paul is pushing back on that. And he says, well, you know, let me remind you of my former life, my former conduct in Judaism. He persecuted the church. He was so zealous. But then he says, and I advanced in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries. So it's like Paul saying, you know, these people are presenting themselves as somebody important coming to you from from Jerusalem, perhaps. He says, well, I have credentials too. And I excelled in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries. Uh, Paul was a student of a man named Gamaliel. And Gamaliel was the leading rabbinical authority of Paul's day. And tradition tells us that that Paul was really Gamaliel's number one student. And so he was looked at by the the leadership in Jerusalem, the Jewish leadership, as uh, you know, somebody who was really going to, to rise up and be a powerful force for the future uh, within Judaism. But then, of course, something happened. And that was his conversion. And he goes on to describe that here. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace to reveal his son in me, that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood. Nor did I go to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went to Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter, remained with him 15 days, but I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. Now concerning the things which I write to you indeed before God, I do not lie. Afterward, I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia 
and I was unknown by face to the churches of Judea, which were in Christ, but they were hearing only he who formerly persecuted us now preaches the faith which he once tried to destroy, and they glorified God because of me. So he's just setting the record straight here. He's, you know, they've been influenced by these false teachers, and Paul just walks them right through. No, my gospel is from the Lord. My background is I, I excel beyond them all in Judaism. I know what I'm talking about. And then, you know, describing his own uh, uh, conversion and, and his own calling and then talking about his own experience with Peter, which he will go into more detail in the second chapter. But for our purposes today, let's zero in on verse 15. So in verse 15 and 16, he speaks, first of all, uh, he says, but when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb. And this is such an interesting statement because if you think about it, you know, Paul, Paul is saying that, um, you know, his calling as an apostle, it, it was something that went back to his, at the time of his birth. But of course, if we looked at some of Paul's other writings, we would know that he understood that it went back even further than that because the Bible tells us that we were chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. And so Paul could have said that, but, but for his purposes here, he just goes back to his birth. But think about that because between his birth and his conversion, we have all of these other things that transpired, persecuting the church of God, trying to destroy it. And, you know, as you look at that, you think, well, you know, how could Paul say that he was uh, separated from his mother's womb and yet he ended up doing all of these things? And, you know, we might have a similar question when we think about our own lives at times. We might wonder like, wow, Lord, how, how was it that all of this stuff happened? You know, between you know, the time that I was born and, and when I finally came to, to know Christ, all, all of this other stuff. And, you know, for some people, it might be tragic stuff there. It might be really terrible stuff, horrific stuff. And you think, well, you know, did God know about that? Well, he did. And what Paul is expressing here is what we call the sovereignty of God. The sovereignty of God means that in the end, God is really overruling all, all of the affairs of life. And even those things that are transpiring when we don't know him. And you know, the interesting thing is we find, like Paul did, we find that when we finally do come to Christ and as we look back and as we grow in the Lord, we realize that all of those experiences good or bad, we realize that somehow they, they play into what God has ultimately planned for us. And so Paul would look back and he would see that even though he was uh, deceived, even though he thought he was serving God by persecuting the church, he would look back and see himself as the chief of sinners. Even though all of that was true, he could see God's sovereign hand in all of it. And those things would be then the platform to some degree uh, by which Paul would minister in the future. And, you know, I, I think of um, our, our speaker from last week, Dr. Ewan, remember? 
as he was here with us. And, you know, he, he's got this amazing platform. He's got this powerful story, but it's connected back to much of what happened in his life before he knew Christ. But it's, that, it's those very experiences, as sinful as they were and as horrible as they were, it's those very experiences that are um, the basis in some ways for the ministry that God has given him today. So it just, it just shows us that God redeems even the tragic, sinful, evil experiences in our life. And, and this is true uh, for, for all of us, really. Because when, when we look back at, at our past lives, we can see similar things, can't we? I've seen this in the lives of so many people. I've seen it in my own life. I think of you know, my experiences and growing up and my, my family situation and having a broken family and you know, living amongst uh, drugs and alcohol and all of those kinds of things. And they were all horrible things. And they were things that I was involved in as well. But I have found over the years that those things have been somewhat of a platform to minister to other people. And so Paul looks back and he sees that, that the separation to God was from birth. But then he says, he speaks of his calling. God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me. And that's what happened to him, there was that moment where this, there was this undeniable encounter, this call from God. But it wasn't that this was the only time that this happened. You see, the Lord had been calling Paul, but he had been resisting the call. And we know that he had been calling Paul because when, when Jesus did appear to him on the road to Damascus, and when he was finally converted, Jesus, or as he appears in that light, you know, Acts chapter 9 tells us a story, that light that's, that's brighter than the sun, and a voice speaks to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Saul says, who are you, Lord? He said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. And then he said this, it is hard for you to kick against the goads. What does that mean? Well, it, what, what that's referring to is the fact that, that Paul was resisting the call. The Lord had been dealing with him. The Lord had been convicting him. The Lord had been calling him. And I would guess myself that when he was there at the stoning of Stephen, now remember, perhaps you remember, some of you might not, but in Acts chapter seven, we have Stephen, this young man in the early days of the church, we have Stephen giving this powerful testimony before the Jewish leaders, the, the leaders of the nation. And he, he walks them through their whole history and shows them that they're doing just exactly what their forefathers did. They rejected uh, God, they rejected the prophets, and he shows them that you're doing the same thing and rejecting the Messiah. And they were so incensed at him that they rose up against him, they threw him out of the city and they stoned him to death. And we read there that while they were doing that, they laid their garments down at the feet of a young man named Saul. So he was there when Stephen was being stoned. And he would later say that he consented. He gave his voice against those who were being put to death. And, and undoubtedly, he was referring to Stephen there. But you know, he was convicted. And Jesus said, You're, it's hard for you to kick against the ghost. You see, when he heard Stephen lay this out, you, you know that in his heart, he was like, you know, 
that, uh, th- th- there's truth to that, but he didn't want to hear it. He didn't want to uh, submit to that truth because, of course, that meant that his whole life was going to be rearranged, and he was on a good path, and he wanted to stay on that path. So the conviction of the Spirit, he keeps resisting it, resisting it, but there finally comes this moment where Jesus encounters him in a powerful way on the road to Damascus, and it's here that he surrenders. It's here that he submits. And again, you know, for us, there, there comes that time. I think many of you could identify with this as well. I know I can. Uh, there, the Lord was dealing with me for a long time, and I was resisting. I was just, no, I don't, I don't want to do that. I don't want to go there. I, I don't want to yield my life to somebody else's authority. And so I would, would come under conviction, and I would recognize that th- there were sins in my life and things that I knew that, you know, needed to be dealt with, but I just kept pushing back against that conviction. But there came that moment for me, like there did for many of you as well, where the call, and it's, it's, I wouldn't say it's irresistible, but it's a call that's so powerful. You're just confronted with it and you, you've got to do something with it at that moment. And that's what happened to Paul, who was at that moment, Saul, on the road to Damascus. And so he describes being called. And notice he says, who called me, uh, separated me from the mother's womb and called me through his grace. Through his grace. Now, when you looked at who he was, you would think that God's dealing with him should have been uh, not to call him to salvation on the road to Damascus, but to destroy him and cast him into hell forever. That's what it seemed like he deserved, right? Because he was on his way to Damascus to continue his rage against God's people. And again, later he tells us in different places where he's sharing his, his testimony through either the book of Acts or his writing to Timothy. He talks about being exceedingly enraged against the Christians and going from place to place and uh, arresting them and putting them on trial and putting them in prison and casting his vote against them when they were put to death. And, and all of this is happening with him. And again, you would think, okay, this is a guy that needs to be judged. This is a guy that needs to be, uh, you know, God needs to zap him and not just knock him down and get him to repent, but he just needs to just obliterate him, get him, get him, get him, get him off the face of the earth. But God doesn't do that. He meets him. He calls him by his grace. And once again, that is true with all of us, isn't it? You know, sometimes in our minds, we think that uh, people who end up in church, people who end up Christians, you know, they ended up there because, you know, after all, they were, they were always basically good people anyway. And, you know, as good people, you just, where are you going to go? You just end up in church finally. And you end up, you know, being a Christian because, you know, you're a good person. And that's what Christians are, right? No, that's, that's the myth, but that's not the truth. The Bible tells us that uh, anyone who becomes a Christian, anybody who's saved, anybody who's sitting in a congregation and genuinely believing in Jesus is there by the grace of God. Not because we deserved it. Not because God looked down and said, wow, you know, hey, look, check that out. That, that's a pretty good one. Let's, let's get that one for our kingdom. Yeah, yeah they're, they're already halfway there anyway, so we won't have much work to do. But that's not the way it works, is it? No, God sees us 
and he sees us in all of our sin and all of our wickedness. And, you know, for some, it's more uh, obvious to others that that's our life. For some, that's not so obvious, but yet God knows our hearts. And it's always in the end by God's grace. Like Paul would say in another place, he said, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And for anybody who is a believer in Jesus, that is the truth. By the grace of God, we are what we are. It's because God just looked at us and had mercy on us. And that's true for everyone. There's not a single person that's uh, saved by anything less than God's grace. But then Paul says that he called me through his grace to reveal his son in me. To reveal his son in me. Or to reveal his son by me is the idea. So God has called us. He called Paul that he might reveal Jesus to others through Paul. And you know, the same is true with us. God has called us that he might in turn then reveal Jesus to others by us. God reveals his son to people through other people. And, and probably for all of us, at least, you know, to some degree, we would, we would have to say that there was, you know, there was a person that we saw Jesus in, or we saw something different in that person. Now, that might not be the case for everyone, but I think for many, that would be the case. And, and that's, I think, most of the time, the way God works. I mean, sometimes, obviously, he can just do that without any person being involved, but oftentimes, this is it. There, there's a person. You, you observe them. You listen to them. You watch their life. You see that they're different. And you realize, you know, there's, there's something there about, about this person. Then you find out, well, they're a Christian. They're a follower of Jesus. Well, that's interesting. And what's happening is God is revealing his son through people. And that's what he wants to do through us as well. He wants to, to show himself to others. God, of course, is invisible, right? How do we know that there's a God? Well, Romans chapter one says that we know there's uh, the invisible God is revealed by the things that are seen. The creation tells us that there has to be a creator, but the invisible God is also revealed through uh, people who are made in his image. And we see certain people that are different. They stand out and that's because Christ is in them. But then finally he says that he was called to preach him. So called me through his grace to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the Gentiles. And this, of course, was Paul's calling to preach Christ among the Gentiles. And just a bit of a side note, it's really interesting the way God works. And in, in, with Paul and specifically what he says here uh, about his preaching among the Gentiles, this is one of those, those twist on things that you find that God often does. So you, got, you, you wanna reach two groups of people. You wanna reach Gentiles and you wanna reach Jews. So you're looking for somebody that can really connect with, with these different groups, right? So you get a resume from this guy named Saul. 
And his resume reads, uh, you know, student of Gamaliel, uh, tribe of Benjamin, Hebrew of Hebrews, Pharisee, son of a Pharisee. And, and you look at that and you go, wow, look at this, man. This is the apostle to the Jews. This is the guy. Look at his resume. He knows Judaism like the back of his hand. He's, he's one of the leading advocates of Judaism in our day. This is our man for the Jews. All right, well, we got to find somebody for the Gentiles. Who are we going to find? Well, here's a guy named Cephas, Peter. Well, look at him. He's from Galilee. Yeah, Galilee. A lot of Gentiles in Galilee. He's a fisherman. Yeah, fisherman. All right. He's a rugged guy. Yeah, Peter, he sounds like a good choice to go to the Gentiles. We got Peter to go to the Gentiles. We got Paul to go to the Jews. But guess what? God switches it. Nope. Paul's not going to the Jews. Paul's going to the Gentiles. And who's going to the Jews? It's Peter. And you know, this is how God often works. We look at a situation, we think, okay, this is the person that's perfectly suited for this. And we've got to get this person. Sometimes we even think we got to get this person saved so then they can do this. And you know, sometimes it works that way. Not that we get them saved so they can do it, but sometimes, you know, God saves people and then, you know, uses them in, in the way that you would expect because of, well, this is their background and this is what they end up doing and it connects, it matches. But then sometimes God just says, no, I'm going to do it completely differently. I'm going to take this man who is a Jew's Jew and I'm going to make his ministry primarily to the Gentiles. So in all of that, again, we see just this whole idea of the sovereignty of God. So he is called to preach him to the Gentiles. Now, what was true of Paul is true of each of us as well. His context is different. The outcome of his calling, of course, is different. But in principle... This is all true. And so let's just walk through those things real quickly once again, but let's make it more personal now. So separated. God has separated us as well. And yes, from birth, but even further back before the foundation of the world. But tell me, as a believer today, can, can you see that? Can you look back and you, you're, you can connect these dots? Now, at a time, you couldn't do that at all. You're just in the midst of your life and maybe you're in the midst of sin and you're in the midst of all the brokenness that comes because of sin. And, you know, you don't see how this is ever gonna uh, become anything positive. You don't see how this could ever play out for good. But, but then you, you came to Christ. And now as you look back, you, you start to connect the dots and you realize, wow, yeah, my whole life, there are all of these points along the way. God was doing things that I was unaware of at the time. But now that I'm saved, it, it, it makes sense. And like I said earlier, with, say, for example, Dr. Ewan, the same, the same is true for us as well. We might have things in, in our past life that, that were tragic. I might even have horrific things that we've experienced and gone through. But then again, those things become a platform. And God is able to redeem even those things. And we look back at them and we're no longer bound by them. We're no longer uh, injured by them. We're no longer held back by them. We realize, you know, God used that so I could today do this. 
And even though it was an unpleasant and in some cases just an unspeakably you know, tragic situation, you realize the sovereign power of God to redeem. And you look back and you realize, wow, I can say that I was separated from my mother's womb. And even all of those years where nothing seemed to make sense, man, now I see it. It's all working out. It's all revealing uh, God's hand over the whole thing. And then, of course, there's that, uh, that thing of being called. And you had that moment where you might have been resisting. You might have heard. You might have been uh, running away from that. But there came that moment in time where that call was so strong that you just, you knew you were confronted with that moment that I've got I've to make a, a decision. And you responded to that call. And of course, it was all by grace because where you were at at the time, you couldn't even imagine that God would call you. You couldn't even imagine that God would want you. You couldn't even conceive of God loving you because you knew your own state. You knew the sin in your life. You knew the wickedness and the evil. And you were maybe even tempted to say, you know, it's, I, I'm too far gone. There's no way that God would want me. I, I met this man last night. I was involved with an outreach uh, last night. And I, I met this fellow that helps out. And he was a Scottish guy. And um, he, you know, immediately when I met him, he said, hey, you were just in my country. You were in Glasgow, right? And I said, yeah, I was. And you know, we started talking and he, you know, he looked like a, a, a Glaswegian, you know, he was a rough looking guy, but he had a, a real, um, you know, grace and kindness about him too. And so, he, you know, he just started telling me a little bit about his life story, telling me about it growing up on an island uh, off of the coast of uh, Northern Ireland. And, you know, grew up in a, you know, in a fishing village and pretty much, you know, from the time he was very young, just, you know, got into drinking heavily and, you know, pretty much wrecked his life through alcohol. He ended up meeting and marrying a, an American lady, you know, coming to the U.S. and, you know, just being that same person. And his wife come home, comes home one day and says that she found this church and she really loved it and she wanted him to go. And he was like, oh, this is like the worst day of my life. You know, my wife's now trying to drag me to church and, you know, how miserable. And, you know, she kept persisting that he come. And so, so he finally had an idea. He had a little business and he thought, oh, business, I got a business and there's people down at the church. Maybe I could, you know, conjure up some business if I go down to the, there to the church. So he did. He went to church, whether he took his business card, he kind of laid him around like, hey, you know, I'll take advantage of this. And the pastor picked up one of those cards and gave him a call. He said, hey, I saw your business card and I, I need some help. So you want to meet me down here at the church and we can go do this? And the guy says, oh, yeah, sounds good. We'll do it. So he comes down, he meets the pastor. They get in the car, they're driving down the road. And the pastor turns and says, so when did you become a Christian? And he's like, um, hmm, well, you know, I haven't, I'm not a Christian. And the pastor began to share the gospel with him. And he said, he said, then, you know, we pulled into the Home Depot driveway and we sat in that space and I broke down and cried like a baby and gave my life to Jesus. Right there at Home Depot, <laughs> all places. And, but the thing is, you know, 
I'm, I'm looking at this guy and it's just so, he's precious, he's sweet, he's gentle, he's loving. And I'm thinking, man, and then he's kind of told me a little bit about his background. And I think, well, this guy, I'm sure it was rough, you know, before he came to Christ. But it's that same thing. It's that grace of God that meets us. And in spite of us, and even when we're just as far away as we could be and we're not even remotely interested and we don't care and we don't want to know and somebody tells us about church or Jesus and we just blow that off. I mean, that's all stuff you'd think, right? Well, God would just blow us off too. Hey, you don't want me? Well, forget you. But he doesn't do that because he's full of grace and he draws us in by his grace And then, of course, we meet him and receive him. And then Christ is in us and God begins to work through us and he begins to show himself through us. But then for Paul, we see that, you know, his calling was to preach him. But let's broaden it out because not all of us are called to preach, but we are all called to serve. And so here's the point that I want to make today. You're sitting here today as a believer in Jesus Christ And you're sitting here because from before the foundation of the world and at your birth, you're sitting here today because God separated you then and he called you and that's why you're here today. And I, I think that we, it's really beneficial to us if we really think through this stuff because sometimes I don't think we realize how astounding this is. This, this, the fact that we're even believers is just a miracle in and of itself. But as we realize how astounding it is, we realize that we are now in, in the midst of a plan that was formed before the world was ever created. And now we're, we're walking in that and we're discovering that. And for me, I know when I think of it in those terms, when I look at my own life and I realize, wow, It was from birth that God called me to these things. This is what I was created for. This is my destiny. This is what God intended. When you realize that, you know what it does? It completely changes the way you approach everything because you cannot take it lightly at that point. You can't just, you know, be indifferent toward it. You've you've got to just say, wow, Lord, this is this is all of you and your sovereign grace and mercy. I want to enter into and know and experience all that you have for me. And so it brings us down to the thing that we've talked about on other occasions. It brings us down to the call of God. What is the call of God for your life? God has a calling for each and every one of us. And there's no insignificant task. There's no insignificant role. There's not a single person who, uh, you know, there's just some leftover thing that God just needed somebody. Oh, we'll send them out there to do it, you know. Uh, no, he's created us. He's redeemed us. He's called us. And he's done that all with, with a specific plan and purpose in mind. And as I said a while back when we were teaching on um, the gifts of the Spirit, you remember maybe we talked about how In some cases, we just sort of are naturally led into this thing, but it's really supernatural and we just have an inclination and we start going there. In other cases, an opportunity comes along and we just, there's an opportunity, we 
we're not really thinking much about it. We just feel like we ought to walk through that door and we walk through that door of opportunity and we find, wow, this is the call of God. I didn't even know that I was gonna step into the call of God. And then in some other cases, it's not, it doesn't happen like that, but it happens like, you know, you hear me preaching today and you say, you know, I don't really know what God's call is. God, would you show me what your call is? And then God begins to reveal that to you. You know, I talked to a man earlier this morning and he came up and he said, I want to tell you something. He said, I've gone to this church and I think he said about 20 years. I can't remember. It was a long time. And he said, in all the years I've been here, I have met about a dozen people. So you figure 20 years, a dozen people. Wow, yeah, that's not many people after all of those years. He said, but you know, as you've been sharing and, and teaching and kind of what you said this morning, he said a while back, I decided I was gonna, I was gonna get plugged in and uh, I signed up to be an usher. And he said, I've been, doing, I've been being an usher for a few months. I have met so many wonderful people. I can't tell you how many people I know now. It, and he had so much joy. And he said, and you know, this morning, a lady, she brought me a pumpkin loaf. And, you know, he was so excited about the pumpkin loaf. So, uh, but, you know, it was just, he was just, you know, like, hey, I, you know, I've been here all these years, but I finally getting plugged in and I'm starting to see that, yes, I, I've got a task to perform. I've got a function. God has a plan for me. And again, listen, you know, sometimes when we think of the call of God, we only think of it in terms of Paul. Like, well, of course, call, Paul was called to preach to the Gentiles. Wow, that's a call. All right, that's a powerful call. That's an amazing call. But surely I'm not called to that. Oh, maybe you're not called to that. But whatever you're called to is also amazing because it's the thing that God created you for. It's the thing that God planned for you from before the foundation of the world. It's the thing that God separated you at birth for that very thing. And all of your life, all of the circumstances, the good and the bad, they have all been working together to bring you to this place so you could enter that call and fulfill it. And when you see life like that, you know, it changes the way you think about it and it changes the way you live it. And that's what we wanna do, right? We wanna, we wanna live the way God wants us to live, and that is living in the call of God. And the call of God expands and develops, and you know, it, it changes. You go through seasons and periods, and you know, it's, it's not necessarily just one thing. It can be a variety of things for different times and different seasons in life, but here's the truth. God will guide us and lead us each step of the way. In some cases, it becomes more, uh, you know, just sort of locked into one kind of thing. I mean, I look at my life and I think, okay, I know what God's called me to do. There's different facets to it, but they're all kind of connected back to the one main thing. But I know other people that the call is different. And for a season, it's over here doing this. And then for another season, it's over there doing that. But the important thing is to just know that we're being led into that call, that plan, that purpose that God has for us and the thing really ultimately that he created us for and he redeemed us for. And so are you there? Are you in the call? Do you sense that, yes, I'm, I'm there in that place? Are you 
maybe at this stage, maybe you're, you felt like, yeah, I, you know, I've, I really felt like I was there, but right now maybe you're in a transitional place. You're wondering, well, what, what's the next thing? That's fine. Just keep seeking it. And maybe for some, it's like, you know, I don't know. I hear about this thing, the call of God, and I hear about his plan, and I just, you know, I haven't really, I don't, I don't think I've really begun to step into what that really is for me. You know, that's okay too. Just keep asking the Lord. Just keep seeking him. And something will come your way. And you'll just sense that, yeah, this is, I'm supposed to do this right now. And then you'll find yourself doing something and realizing, wow, this, this is good. It flows. It's, I just feel like I was created to do this. And that's exactly the case. You were created to do it. You were redeemed to do it. You were empowered to do it by God. And so as we live our lives, and as I said before, and I, I'll just say this again in closing, you know, we're, we're living in a strategic time, I think, in the history of the world. I think we're living in a strategic time in our nation's history. And I really do think that um, it's, the, it's the church's time. We have a golden opportunity to really shine. And we're going to shine best if we're all in that place of the call of God and doing that thing that he's, that he's created us to do, that's when the impact of the church will be even greater. And we need the church to have a great impact uh, on our world today. So Lord, we pray that you would help us. And as we just considered here, Paul, and we recognize that there's a similar um, thing that, that it, it with each of us, even though we're not apostles, yet there's a similar process. And, and there, there's a principle here that's applicable to us individually. And so, Jesus, would you lead us in to the things that you have planned for us before you ever formed the world? And those things, Lord, that you had in your heart and mind, when we came forth from the womb, you separated us. You separated us unto yourself. And Lord, you allowed us to go through seasons and times and hardships and even sins and things. But you, you've redeemed all of that because you're great and you're awesome. And now, Lord, as you've redeemed us, bring us into the fullness of your plan and purpose for our lives, we pray. And Lord, we pray that for our church. Here we are, Lord. Before the world ever was, you knew that Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa would be here. You knew, Lord, that, that all, all that you would do through us as a, a congregation of people. And Lord, you knew that this day would come where we would be here at this time in history. And so, Lord, may we collectively enter into all the fullness of your calling. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.